0: Yeah, let's do an intro.
1: Okay.
0: I'm always terrible at these formal intros, but yeah. All right, I'll drive. All right.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Finding Japan, episode 84. All right, I'm here with Terrence, and this is Chris Tophert. Is it Chris or Christopher? You call me Chris. I say
0: call me Chris, but I always introduce myself as Christopher. No, on either podcast. one's going. I almost thought you were going for a Topher Grace. <laughs> 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 Which apparently his name is Christopher, but he got topher because when he was a kid he couldn't say his name or something. So they called him Topher? Yeah. That's terrible. No, but there's a lot of kids who, who have made their own name. It reminds me of like, Gopher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but when you're an actor, it's cool. Mm. Topher Grace is cool when you're an actor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not an actor, though. You know, it, got no you thrown, it gets you thrown in a lot of trash cans when you're, like, grade, grade 8. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mystery of why I'm saying it Canadian-style, but anyway. <laughs> the 8th grade, as an American. Well, today we're
1: going to talk about uh, a couple things. We're going to talk about kind of what happened um, since the last time we've both been in Japan. Yeah. Like, me, you know, about six months. and
0: I live in Japan, so I just come here for the holidays. Um, you know, visiting the East Coast and the, the beautiful Yankee State of Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna um, kind of dig
1: up a little nostalgia with uh, a couple of segments that some people might recognize, and uh, maybe introduce a couple of new things. What do you think? It's
0: <laughs> yeah, and some it's and, and, it, and we have a special <laughs> notorious special guest who you know. We, we have to keep him locked up because he ruins everything. Can't have nice things because of this have special nice guest. No. no. But he loves himself. So, anyway, we got a good episode planned. Stick around, hang out,
1: and enjoy.
0: Here we go. And so, we're sitting here trying to podcast. This is, of course, Chris and Terrence. And I'm in Connecticut, Tolland, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. On the eastern coast of the United States of America. Um, which I've only been to... Twice now. Two I times. Know. Both times to hang out with you guys. So that's always awesome. Yeah, the last time you were here, Isaac was just born. Yeah, so almost six years ago. Yeah. Well, just around six years ago. Yeah. Ellie was well, barely two. Two-ish. Yep. And Amelia was not even a twinkle, not even a twinkle. Yeah,
1: but now those days are long gone. So what, you know, it was nice, nice to have you out here because um, when uh, you know we were in Japan, um, we were living in Tokyo this past time around again, and you had moved to Tokyo a while ago. So, whereas before when we were in Japan, we'd like see you maybe like once or twice a year. Go hang out in Osaka or Kobe, or if you were coming up here, get to hang out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But spend a lot more time hanging out in Tokyo, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was fun. That was like you know, just like you guys live not down the street. You you lived relatively close down to our work. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'd just hang out and stay overnight and walk, off and go off to work, walk to work, which is yeah. more convenient than my home, my house. That was cool. So it's only been six months or so since since
1: I've been back. Um, and uh, you know, we were talking a lot about Japan and yeah. what's changed and things like that but it's only been, what, a
0: week since you've been back in the States in total? Yeah, since I mean, Japan? I think about it more about of course it's only been about a week, but I think about, I come back home every week, uh, every year so I just think about what are, what, what are the patterns I'm noticing yeah. in the long term probably the thing that sticks out the most is when I used to go back home 15-20 years ago almost I would go back home with the expectation of that I would be able to go to a restaurant eat a bunch of food go out for drinks hang out and do things and it would be about maybe 10-15% to 15% cheaper than living in Japan and doing the same things mm-hmm. now I come here so and like that cost of living in Japan has kind of flatlined over the years and Japan also while gets pigeonhole as an expensive place actually has a lot of diversity of, of cost so you can run through your budget in a minute in Japan easily. I mean, you can do that anywhere theoretically in the world, But you can also find really good food like in
1: an alleyway.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. You can eat off of street food and and Japanese-style fast food places and even the Western-style fast food places and go pretty far. You know, one of the famous fun videos on YouTube about... Perhaps sometimes inappropriate Westerners who come to Japan, young guys, come and enjoy themselves. Is the whole uh, they go into the convenience... they film themselves going to the convenience store and buying the strong zeros, mm-hmm. which are these you know uh, less yeah, than yeah. two hundred yen, one hundred fifty yen, buck fifty
1: alcoholic 9% drinks alcohol. that
0: are nine percent in a country where there's like one well, no restrictions. You you know buy as many as you want of them, take them up to the convenience store, crack them open the minute you walk out, the drink in front of the convenience store, throw them away, go back in and get more. Like you know it's yeah uh, so. You know, you can you can definitely live uh, very flexibly in Japan. You can do That's it. That's true, there's life. not as many options here in the US for yeah. you
1: know street food or cheap food. I mean I suppose you can make it at home, but then that requires you have an apartment, you have you yeah. know a house or something you can
0: Utilized yeah. to pull it all together. It can be cheaper in the U.S. Yeah, if you do have that foundation, then it can be cheaper. Right. Yeah, you go to, a, but if you're coming to visit the U.S., I don't think you have as many cheap options as no. you do if you're visiting Tokyo. So please come out to Japan if you've been worried about the cost. I mean, you no. know, set a budget you know, and make sure you know, act, you know act like a grown person. But otherwise, you should be okay. Mm-hmm. So what have
1: been the big things that you've noticed coming back? Uh, to the U.S. this time around? Because it's been about a year since you've been home. Yeah.
0: Um, this is not a change. This is something I always notice. And maybe being overseas, and sometimes in the news, terrible things happen in the U.S., you know, just shootings or just bad things happen. you know. um, But I come back home, and I'm always struck at how interactive and actually polite... Thoughtful people are around. Yes, there, there's rude people, but generally, like, eye contact leads to more than one second eye contact leads to a hello, a mm-hmm. conversation with a stranger, and then you walk away, it's fine. Um, I'm always impressed by that, and always, I really love it. I really, like, mm-hmm. think it's a great thing about being American. I don't like the Japanese, I think Asians in general don't do that as much, and I think from my experience, Europeans don't do that as much either. It depends on where you are in Europe, but like in Northern Europe, talking to a stranger. I had, a, I had a friend of mine who was like someone, he would meet someone and become what we would consider friendly with that person and would be visibly annoyed when that person was referred to him as his friend. No, that's my acquaintance, which I get where he's coming from and I don't completely disagree. But that's the difference. Like Americans really want to have like make that connection and friends. And sure, friends, and sure you can argue that it could be shallow, but it's on the hope that maybe it could be more than shallow. And I think sometimes in that sense, other cultures can be a little bit. Pessimistic or reserved about those kind of relationships Right Americans in general expect good
1: things To come out of that type of interaction Yeah I just had a really interesting conversation With someone who has been in the US A Japanese woman Who's been in the US for I want to say over 10 years Originally from Kansai And she had that same comment about people from Tokyo in the opposite Meaning like Tokyo is so hard to get to know people Yeah Because everybody's so She she called them They're all robots Mm Mm-hmm just kind of going through life like a robot. Yeah. Whereas you know, I'm, you you have this experience as well. In Kansai, you know, it's a little more friendly, a little more yeah. informal. Yeah, I think I've noticed that too. And I've had a lot more conversation, like good conversations
0: with strangers, um, than I was able, ever able to have. Yeah. In Japan, if you talk to like backpackers come to visit Japan, and if they've been to if they've been to several different parts of Japan. Without prompting, they they tend they they will tend to say everywhere was nice, everyone was nice everywhere they went. But the friendliest alco- most outgoing people, maybe they'll say Kansai, but I've heard a lot of people say Kyushu. Hmm. What will come up is they went to Fukuoka and they were like, you know, we were just wandering around, we looked lost for a minute, and we had like ten people come up we're like, do you, do you have a place to stay or do you know where you want to go for lunch or did you know there's a famous place over here you can check out or there's sites here or we'd love to show you around like just like the friendliness. Hmm. That um that openness, and I haven't been to Fukuoka a whole lot, but my experience kind of bears that out too. That um that kind of you know open, open friendliness. But you know, I mean, yeah, Tokyo. My uh, analogy with Tokyo is robots might be a good one, but also that everyone, even the people living there, seem like they're tourists. Mm-hmm. You go out like shopping or hang out for the day. Everyone is walking around either in a I'm busy and stressed out by all this speed and people and crowds and this energy. Or I'm also baffled too. And those people probably live not that far from central Tokyo. They might live in Kanagawa or North Tokyo, North you know, Saitama, north of Tokyo. But it's really, really different from when you go out in town, like in Osaka, where you can feel like these people, so people live the, there. Yeah, they yeah, own yeah, the yeah. town. Even the Tokyo people live somewhere in, in or near Tokyo, but they are also baffled. They're still baffled. Wow. Well, a person who grew up in Osaka is not baffled by Osaka. <laughs> that's their, you know, that's their backyard. Hmm. You know, and they own it. That's an oh. interesting observation. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense too. Um,
1: I, I just think people in Tokyo don't really own living in Tokyo in the same way that other people live in other cities. Yeah. And I think it's because Tokyo is such an easy identity to to assume that people feel like they're losing something if they say, I'm from Tokyo. In fact, when we talk to people from Tokyo, they won't say, I'm from Tokyo. They'll say, like I'm from Setagaya, or I'm from yeah. this area of Tokyo. Yeah. And they really identifies themselves as being from
0: yeah. Tokyo. It's cool when you meet, like, so quote-unquote, what are called Edoko in Japanese. So Edo is the old name for Tokyo. And Ko just means like child. Right. So it's like you're a person of, you know, you're a, person, you're a native, um, you know, you're a Bostonian. You're a Michigander if you're from Michigan, that kind of thing. So but the interesting thing about that is that you can't call someone who's born in Tokyo automatically an Edoko. It's a third generation. So it can't even be your parents, it has to be the grandparents. If your grandparents were born in Tokyo and you were born and your parents and you were born in Tokyo, then you're in Edoko. Ah oh, okay. It doesn't it doesn't come into effect until the third generation. And if you talk to those people, you can definitely sense a they speak differently and they have a different cultural tone than like for example people from Osaka but you can see the similarities mm-hmm. they own it too and they have that down down to earth urban feel but it's i think it's similar to like old school new yorkers mm-hmm. you know when you meet someone from new york who really grew up in new york like there's no like you know it's almost like it's very it's i don't like the idea of tribalism but it's tribal in a good way it's very mm-hmm. like you know native local vibe it's pretty cool yeah. so
1: I've been back only six months or so. I don't know, I'd have to say the biggest... I don't know, I think the the biggest difference I've noticed, for me personally, is how not foreign Japan seems. You know, I always, especially years ago, going there, living there, coming back, there was always a sort of culture shock in one direction or the Mm -hmm. other direction. I would notice more things. I remember one time coming back a long time ago and going to Wendy's and getting, like, the most terrible service that I ever had. And I think I was probably just hypersensitive to it because I had had all these experiences in Tokyo. I had a, something to compare with. I think for me, coming back this time, that's kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. Because I recognize the U.S. for what it is and Japan for what it is, yeah. and they both seem to operate well within the mental models I've constructed for both of those areas. Yeah. Where it doesn't seem strange anymore to, to move back and forth. Yeah. And this, I think this was the first time um, relocating back to the U.S. Where I really felt like that had happened.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. interesting. I've had you feel that too,
1: though. Because yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and I have conversations with Japanese people that they'll ask me simple things like, "So what's American food?" or "What's good in America?" And like you know, in Japan we have so much great food. I'm like, "What's great for you?" Because you grew up here. It's comforting. Here as in Japan And yes Internationally Japan Has become known You know, Michelin stars And Japanese cuisine But But people uh, aren't eating At those restaurants no, All the time No so and, and trust me There's yakisoba pang, Which is yakisoba in, You know Sandwiched between Two pieces of bread Which to me is like An abomination Really <laughs> Carbs on carbs Really The lack of contract Like there are things That Japanese people eat And think is delicious Like Like it, that delicious in the way that you think your, you know, your mom's you know food cooking when you were a child, like something that's nostalgic. It's nostalgia food, right? Which is by, fine. By
1: the way, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's scary yeah. a stereo wine pour because Terrence and I are drinking a nice. What does I say? Tempranillo. Yeah, in I mean, Spanish.
0: You got to do the. See, I can only speak well. Spanish with like a ridiculous, horrible Antonio Banderas. Yeah. So what we got? What we got here is. Fueza. De la tierra, tempranillo, <laughs> and I know, I know, a real Spanish speaker is—you're you, virtually choking me out right now. I know, la mancha, la mancha. So yeah, that's what's going on. So yeah, ah, oh, no worries. Yeah, the wine—it's good, it's good wine. Um, but it's interesting that like, so the Japanese people will think, some people will think, you know, food in America is not that good, and it's really hard to get them to understand that. The strength of food in America is you can sit there and say hamburger and steaks. And sure, the stereotypical image of America is that. But the thing is, America is also the country where you go into a pho restaurant and those people aren't that removed from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That meaning, the pho they're making, is actually probably better than what you get in a lot of parts of Vietnam if they can get the right ingredients, because you might not be able to actually get high-quality ingredients in certain parts of Vietnam. You know, Vietnam has right. developed rapidly. So, And the food in Vietnam, I've never been, but I've heard it's lovely. But but there are things like that. This is a famous thing in, a, in, in, in the UK, that a lot of the Indian food in the UK is probably the best Indian food you'll ever have. Because until recently, India didn't have a lot of development. And so getting good ingredients was really hard. And so when people immigrated to the UK and brought Indian food culture, then they also got to make that food in a first world country where they had access to better ingredients people who could pay more and so you know so it's just interesting to talk to Japanese people where they always think America is like shitty food and and you know like not a advanced food culture oh really? is that like a common some people yeah conception yeah people humbaga humbaga like, hmm. alright if I have to eat one more salad full of cabbage and only like three pieces of lettuce on top this is what happens <laughs> in Japan When I can come here and eat real salad with like twelve different vegetables inside and like a pile of it and it tastes great and it's fresh and you know. It's like it's like look, are there things that get tired? Like, yes. Well, come on.
1: Japanese salads, you usually get at least three kernels of corn. And a little bit of the sesame
0: dressing, yeah.
1: It's terrible.
0: (laughs) I have this conversation with my mom. With a shaved
1: radish, you know.
0: There you go. (laughs) I have this conversation with my mom, because she just went back. My mom's from Japan and she's from Yamagata. Um, but she just went back to Japan recently For a little stay to see her brother and stuff But we were both complaining and we were talking about it She was like a Horrible salad And she brought out When I came back home here She brought out this big basket that she would got at probably Costco's or some grocery store And had all the kale and the arugula And the Bread. And you know it was a mix Bread of Red leaf lettuce, Yeah all these mixes of, of, of green greens leaf It was everything. so good And she was like I bought this for six dollars and this thing was twice as full. It was it looked already full, and she was like, "It was twice as full when I bought it, and I bought it for six dollars." I'm like, "You can't do that in Japan." Mm-hmm. You know, not to complain. I mean, but on the other hand, the little attentions, the details that Japanese people do. You go to a convenience store, and like I've had like people very like concerned, like ask, like you need another little bag for this thing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be okay? How about ice packs? Because you're buying ice cream. Are you gonna? It's going to be a while before you get home. You know, a little you know, frozen ice packs to keep it cool. Like just those attention to detail on an average on an everyday level, right? This is right, not, 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 this, exceptional this, is not this is not employee of the month. This is like regular employee. The bad employee, yeah. <laughs> but the regular employee will do these things, and you know, really. I remember. I'm to this day. I'm struck by sometimes like. I will get ready to walk out of the store, and if it's raining, you know, like really concerned, like like you know, please be careful in the rain not to slip and fall, or do you have your umbrella with you? Like, okay, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Thank We're you. Just trying to sell you a 500 yen umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I forgot about that. They make it sound so nice though with the with the Japanese language. It makes it sound like, oh, honorable one. <laughs> in our basement, we've got a bunch of our stuff from Japan,
1: and there's literally a little like stand that has about five umbrellas jammed into it. <laughs> And then outside in our garage, there's about three or four of those plastic yeah. umbrellas. Which, you know, they look cheap, but they're actually really useful. Yeah. Because you
0: can put it down over your head and still see through and walk around. Exactly. Japanese plastic clear umbrellas are the best cheap umbrellas in the world. Yeah, they are. Man, some of those things are really well made. Man. Cool, man. It's good to have you back here. It's good to be back. I mean, for me, the other fun thing is just the comparison between East Coast and West Coast. Which is always fun. So, anything that you immediately kind of more that comes to mind quickly that you miss, or like that was cool, or like someone you be like, oh man, I missed uh, that.
1: You know, I think I miss the convenience and variety of living in Tokyo. Yeah, um, you know here. Where, where we live out in Connecticut living live in the northeast part, it's very wooded. It takes 25 minutes by car to get to anywhere where you can buy something or, or go to dinner. Mm-hmm. And even then, your options are limited. You're limited to you know, the places that you like or the places that are decent in the area. Whereas in, in Tokyo, yeah, you could. it still took 25 minutes to get somewhere by train, but you had so many more options. And I don't know if that's necessarily... Tokyo as opposed to just living in a city because you know, that's true in a lot of other places yeah but it was the convenience of living in Tokyo I yeah. think in other cities even New York I guess you could argue not as much as accessible by foot um, you need a car either your own or taxi to get anywhere far farther mm-hmm. um, and that's certainly true of you know Midwestern cities and West Coast cities as well yeah. like uh, you know LA or, or Austin mm-hmm. so I think yeah I think that's probably what I miss more than anything, just the variety, being able to do different things or find different things. Also, I think the speed, because because everything's so much more condensed, just the speed of turnover of restaurants and, like, finding things, finding new things that come up in areas that you're already familiar with um, is real exciting, whereas, you know, here it's, like, drive out the same houses every day. Nothing really changes.
0: Yeah.
1: Nothing has changed in the... Uh, Five years we have lived here, six years I don't know. However long we lived there,
0: yeah. Would you drive out to like if you guys wanted to go to like a nicer sort of restaurant that's been like getting you know like accolades? So would you go out to Hartford or something with that? You know, I mean if you wanted
1: to, Not yeah. To Hartford regularly. or you know we've, we've yeah. even gone out to Boston, yeah. but it's been mostly like special events, yeah. The anniversaries, friends coming in, yeah.
0: stuff like that. But, yeah. yeah, I think the thing is, yeah, with Tokyo it can be. And you have so much choice, sometimes you get overwhelmed, and you also forget to appreciate it. But on the other hand, like sometimes I wish, like, if I came back to the States, like, if I chose even, like, a medium-sized city where I had some options, I think in some ways I'd appreciate it more because I would know, like, and it would be a little bit easier to manage. It might not be the 10,000, 100,000 choices of Japan or even Tokyo, the most Michelin stars in the world kind of thing, but if I know there's main, there's a main street, and maybe there's one more or two more, like, Alternative neighborhoods that also have their scene, and then there's at least in each of those, you know, twenty restaurants. You know, maybe by Tokyo standards, that's nothing, but by a single human being who really thinks it through and doesn't like act like they need ten thousand choices, a hundred some choices is not a bad, you know. But it's easy to think you can be in Tokyo and feel like you're sometimes like it's easy to find something, but right. I feel like overwhelmed and not know how to like filter through so that it's actually valuable, you know, like yeah. I think the difference too, though. Like,
1: yeah, I think of like cities like Denver. Right, Denver is you know, really building up in a lot of different ways, and they have these little, like, really interesting neighborhoods with mm-hmm. restaurants popping up. But I'll tell you, you know, yeah, five times out of eight, the restaurant's going to be great. But then you still got the three that aren't. Yeah. Right, and it's like yeah, you got a lot of restaurants, but half of them are crap. Yeah. Whereas that's a little harder to find in Tokyo. Like, mm-hmm. on on average, most places yeah. are pretty good. Yeah. It's hard to find a really bad place in, in Tokyo. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then of course, you got your strata of like, you know, the
0: top 10%, the top yeah. 1% that you really want to go to. So. Yeah, that's true. You go out to the Japanese countryside, regional cities, and you might go to someone's house or go to a place that's already known and, and eat the delicacy of the area. It's delicious. Yeah. But you run into a random restaurant in like a, countryside city like where my mom's from yamagata you can have a run in a restaurant you're like oh really like it's you know like it's not that good <laughs> like it's not you know it's easy to get to get spoiled in that way in, in in tokyo or osaka where in osaka you know tokyo might have all the michelin stars and the international attention and the money yeah. in osaka actually though they have a really long standing mm. food culture so they're they actually picky on the entry level too so i actually tend to find you get better Cheap or street or entry level food in Osaka than you do in Tokyo. You go one level up and they're equally good. If not, Tokyo starts starts to beat it. But if you're just in your everyday going out to eat, I think you're actually better off. Yeah, better uh, in Osaka. Osaka. Yeah, I think
1: that's probably true in Fukuoka as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think
1: based on my
0: yeah, you can say that for I think both of those cities and areas are really proud of their food culture. Because of, yeah, a top town you, know, you go and you want to go eat good ramen You step almost into any ramen shop And for cheap, for nothing You want to go eat good uh, hot pot They're famous for that stuff you know, You're know, you set, you're solid you know? cool. So
1: I want to rewind the clock a little bit Because you used to have A segment Of the Kobe Beef Show Called Nihongo Time Nihongo Time You were talking about maybe bringing that back yeah. It's
0: not in Japan. Yeah, I've been right. thinking about it. Yeah. I just realized we had not come up with anything to... Any words. But there's plenty <laughs> of things. And I, in fact, I was thinking about the another segment. We'll keep it. Well, uh, we'll mention it later. But another segment, a topic for another segment we're going to do. And I just thought that maybe a good Nihongo. Because we were also talking about this today and yesterday and stuff. And it pertains to customer service and stuff. That... Uh, maybe people who are familiar with Japanese know that the Japanese word for kind of excuse me, sorry, kind of an all round uh, apology or like getting attention word is sumimasen. Which
1: literally means like I don't live here.
0: Uh, no, it's sumanai. It's can't, um, I, I, I'm sorry to bother you. Uh, uh, okay. This cannot be, this cannot just be dismissed. Like I must acknowledge that I've done something. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's a sumanai, so it's, yeah. Um sumanai, but the, but it, it, it's sumimasen, right? Yeah, but it's not the kanji for suma. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the kanji for, for example, in a more technical, literal sense, it's the kanji for like sumimashita, finished. This has been finished. This is this or this ah, this deal's okay. been closed. This right, that, right. this it, transaction, this interaction has been finished. So sumimashita, watimashita, finished. So it. Probably relates to the fact that no, sort like that's not you, mean, you can't just bump into you me and walk away. Yeah. yeah, did you say sorry? It's not done. Yeah, yeah, it's not done yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's uh, something. So
1: it's probably more like uh, um, kind of translating literally for English speakers. More like uh, this isn't over. Yeah, like, or this hasn't this hasn't finished yet. Yeah, I mean, this needs to be addressed. In yeah, some way. that's it. Yeah, yeah, this needs to be addressed.
0: But in the colloquial, it's excuse me, pardon me. Right. Most Japanese people don't even think about the literal meaning of what they're saying. It's It's even a polite hey. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that gets to the fact that in a Japanese restaurant, and I've seen, and I've had experience too, when I, although I grew up in Japan, I grew up mostly on a military basis. When I started living in Japan, like in in regular Japanese society, it took me a little bit to get used to the fact that it's completely okay to yell in a restaurant. And the yelling is not, you know, like, my food is cold. (laughs) It's not that. It's literally, you need a beer, you yell. Hey, I need help. Hey, excuse me. Hey, I need help. Hey, this is not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the person goes, hi. And they come over and they take your order. like, yeah, and, yeah. and it's no problem. And in fact, if you don't get over your fear or your discomfort with yelling, you'll sit there in the restaurant all day That's long. A big barrier for but, foreigners that visit Japan
1: yeah. now too, right? Because they're so used to especially yeah. people from the U.S. are so used to um, letting wait staff drive the, the tempo. Um, yeah. How often yeah. the interactions occur as opposed yeah. to, to pulling it
0: in. Yeah. One of the reasons with that is that in Japan, there's no tipping, and there's also, uh, sometimes there is, but most circumstances, there's not dedicated weight staff for you so that's the other thing y'all see some foreigners do is they think that the person that came to help them first is the one that has to help them all the time so you'll see that person get up and really go get the person and the person's busy helping someone else and someone else will come help you if you yeah, call yeah. them over you don't need to go get that person so and, and I, I will sometimes make a mistake when I come here of like just calling any wait staff for my check and then they'll Your server will be with you. Like, I I know, I'm just trying to get your attention. So it's
1: funny, we went to a couple breweries uh, a couple days ago, and the first one we went to, we had that issue, right? Like, we, we couldn't get our waitress again and it's funny because the way it was resolved was by calling over somebody else yeah. and yeah. just be like, hey, we need help. It's <laughs> not Literally a like, yeah. this isn't finished yet. This needs to yeah. be resolved. <laughs> you know
0: <what> <laughs> I don't think it's out of bounds. You know, you can call no, the yeah, staff maybe. over and then say, "Well, they go get my server? Whatever it is. I don't care. I just want, you know, I want my check or I want my next drink. But anyway, so the, I guess the basic lesson is in Japan, it's the word sumimasen or sumimasen, which is the kind of contracted version sumimasen. The other thing you need to learn about this word is you got to cultivate your sumimasen voice, mm-hmm. which will also scare Westerners because it's a high pitched, almost like, SIMASEN! Like nasal <laughs> yeah, voice, nasally, right? it's a bit like,
1: really? And, and, and there's a reason for that, though, yeah. right? Because if you're just like sumimasen in a crowded room, nobody's going to yeah. hear it. You have, to, you have to push it up into those higher frequencies yeah. to get over the din yeah. of all the noise and the yeah. chaos that's going on in a restaurant situation. Yeah. Obviously, if you're like
0: right next to someone, you, like, like, yeah. you don't have to yell, but it has a practical purpose. It has a practical well. purpose. And to set the tone that I'm not saying, I'm not having a conversation with, with my friend. I'm trying to call on waitstaff. So when they hear that register, they go, oh, okay. And no one thinks of it. I've been in restaurants where I still wasn't used to doing that and have been ignored and like it's not busy and a person's like until you call me <laughs> in that voice i am not going to respond to you because you are not standing up for yourself essentially you're not being you know that those are the rules that are the rules but you know you want something you know it's like call it out call out you're not a child you yeah. know so i'm not i'm not here to just run over to you and i'm not your servant i'm your server but not your servant yeah. <laughs> and so it's an interesting you know like but most of the time like if you're a Westerner and you go into a Japanese restaurant, well, they will actually not always behave with you exactly with, on yeah. Japanese protocols. They'll they come around like a little like more. Yeah.
1: Restaurants that have a lot of tourists. Yeah. The They'll come of,
0: around a little yeah. more, worry about you a little more, bring you the English-language menu that half the time is horrible, but has often has pictures, because Japan is really good about pictures on menus. So Even for Japanese people, so you know, you're usually pretty good.
1: Well, that's cool. I learned something new. I always thought... The sumo, it was based off of Sumu like, to live. Or, like, I don't yeah. live here, which was, which I thought you know drove the sort of like oh excuse me in the like, oh, like, If so I show you the kanji, you've area. probably seen
0: it. They don't write it for the Sumimasen that yeah. we're talking about. They don't really write it in kanji that much, but it's written a lot in letter when I do business transactions. Oh here, really? Yeah.
1: It's like the kanji. There's a lot of kanji like that that, that has a formal kanji but it's never used. Like yeah, like the uh, guy and on the guy. Or, yeah Or and ori-gai.
0: Yeah nagai. You never really see that Arigato right. has a kanji and that, Oh really Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't get used all the time
1: Kudasai is another one I mean it's a little yeah. easier to, to see But in the yeah. In the In the form of You know Kudasai As opposed to Kudaru Or like going down Yeah You don't really see it written Yeah In kanji that often As, as if it's being Used in the Yeah Kind of the imperative form
0: There's even an argument To be said that you're doing the reader a favor, not writing all the kanji, because in Japanese that looks actually really dense and really kind of um, just overwhelming and too much, and katai hard, like too formal. And mm-hmm. so it actually it's better to, you throw in a few kanji in there where, the, where it needs to be, where there's just no substitute, or people would actually get confused if you don't write the kanji. Because the thing about Japanese is it has a lot of homonyms. Mm-hmm. I've been on Japanese forums where someone was explaining the title of the movie has the word Ichi in it. And someone said, that means one. And I was like, no, it, Ichi does mean one when the kanji relates to one. That Ichi is another Ichi. And to explain that to people is kind of hard. Yeah. So Japanese has a lot of homonyms, so you might want to use the kanji where you, it can be easily confused. But otherwise, you actually want to hold back on the kanji a little bit so the text just has breathing room. Doesn't look. It's like saying... You know, don't use all big Latin-based words in your letters, in, even in your business letters. You know, we yeah. do not we do not need to execute the the following operation at the time designated. We need to start on time, and it's yeah, okay to write. Yeah. We need to start on time, and that's appreciated. I think there's a there's a there's a, there's a balance too, though, because if you completely
1: ignore kanji and you just write everything out in here, it actually becomes a lot harder to read. Yeah, it's terrible because you can't yeah. see the bear. You can't see the border of nouns and verbs as easily. Yeah, your eye doesn't catch. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like when you're looking at a Japanese sentence and you see um, like the normal Japanese sentence will have mostly the nouns, adjectives and verbs mm-hmm. and proper nouns of course. Start start with kanji, so you're left with either verb conjugations or particles. Yeah. What we would call prepositions in English perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of connect everything together. Yeah. So if that's all you're seeing, it becomes a lot easier to look at this scan a sentence and look and know the structure and go, Oh, okay, I kinda of know what's yeah. going on.
0: And that's the other reason for 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 alternating between using kanji and using hiragana, so that you can see those dis- distinctions, and you don't get all yeah, it's, right. you yeah. don't go either way, right? And the other thing is, Japanese language as written the, traditionally doesn't have spaces in between words, right? So you do need that little bit of that flow, yeah. yeah. And there's an argument and kind of a linguistic aesthetics that uh, the Japanese Japanese is not based on off of Chinese characters. Is a little more elegant, it's, it's prettier, it's a little more lyrical. The kanji, or Chinese-based Japanese, can tend to be a little bit more technical, have more roots in academia, a little bit more, what Japanese call kata is harder, form more formal. Um, if you look at how many words children use, as opposed to what adults use, children will use very Japanese-derived words. Maybe a good way to explain this in English is that English words can either be very Latin-based, or we have old English-based words. And then you can see like how... You know, things can differ. If you look at kids, kids are often using, in English, are often using those less formal, more more Nordic-slash-old English-based words. And then as your vocabulary grows, you bring in a lot more Latin words. And if you're going to be a doctor, those are the words you're using, because that's science, right? Japanese has the kind of tradition, too, where Chinese-based words tend to be more academic, more scientific, more formal. And Japanese-based words tend to be more lyrical, poetic, colloquial. Hmm. Yeah. So, it's a interesting. Yeah. Language is fun. Something I do a lot these days about my translating. So yeah. What quick, quick plug for Terry I.O. Yes. If you need, need a translation? translation, Japanese English, English Japanese. If you need some can cl- we say, cultural communication. Can we
1: say this podcast is sponsored by Terry I.O.?
0: Fine. I'm not giving a penny. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored in the, sponsored in
1: spirit. <laughs> sponsored in time dedicated to recording the episode and doing post production and putting yeah. a blog post together I not
0: know. Yeah. So yeah, we deviate a little bit, but yeah, today's the time. Such yeah. a simple word, but you say. very complex. Yeah. 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 And it's,すみません Ah,すみません It's, excuse me It's, hey, hello And you want to walk into a store And know You don't see anyone You say, hey hey,すみません You just call out People know you've said I'll oh, eat Might not even be anything You know, that important So saying, what's hey. your What's your default
1: すみません
0: I probably go,すみません
1: No, no, like, like Give me an example Oh I like do it real When
0: do I use it? No,
1: no, no Just like, I want to hear your Sui すみません yeah. Okay. Yeah. See my
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. similar. Mm. Yeah. I can, you know, I, I can, I can suimase with the best of them. I'll do it. <laughs> I wonder if anybody, but does everybody, does anybody ever go, I <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even register. Yeah. Like, and, oh, I I, I gotta, I gotta and you might be, that. the person who hears it might be like, is there, are we about to have an argument? <laughs> Something happened? Yeah. It might, although, be colloquial there might be um dialects or colloquial areas so you had a new had segment a new that you segment. wanted to do, yeah and i was thinking that i have a special guest come on to introduce this new segment so what's a new segment come on out it's your turn it's time who is this it's t-bone Taro, great cow he thought many many days he imagined great segment only him no help no idea no report from any other podcast not even the famous one from in america It's Recommendo. Tipo.
1: Recommendo. Tipo Recommendo. You you just missed Nihongo time. I'm
0: tired of Nihongo time. Always moving forward. (laughs) No stay same place. Always innovation. You don't even know what innovation means, Tipo.
1: I got it. I know what the theme music for for Recommendo is. Uh
0: It's Recommendo time. (laughs) 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 I just <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it. All right, T-Bone. All right, T-Bone. You can go away now. Bye. Thank you.
1: All right, so what is this segment? We're going so, like two, two or three minute kind of overviews of things that we would recommend. Yeah, you know,
0: Japan. it comes from the fact that when you go to Japan and you go like to a video store or you go to a bookstore, they'll have signs in English or let's say alphabet, Let's say recommend, recommend. recommendation. <laughs> as a native English speaker, you get driven up the wall. But then you realize, well, hey, what's happening here? A recommend has happened. Okay, and so I just thought it would be fun to call the second recommendo, and recommendo is a little bit uh, play on the Japanese pronunciation.
1: When I read those signs, I always view that as like an imperative request to me to recommend that product to somebody else. Yeah, please recommend. Yeah. Recommend this to someone else.
0: No, it's a recommendation. <laughs> I know you know. That. I, I know what it is. It I just, know you that's know that. The way I feel. I that. just like I look at it. I just look at it and I go. Recommend. I still want to go to a Japanese person and be like, so so what? What do you want me to suggest to someone? Because <laughs> like, I see this sign, but I don't know what to suggest. Should I take this DVD home for me with me free and show it to somebody? Is that what you're saying? Like, but anyway, you know, there's always some cool thing, some cool bit, and I thought like you had a really cool one in your old stomping grounds. So Chris used to live in the outskirts of Shibuya. Yes. Yeah. yeah. About fifteen o- minutes from nickname Okushibu, which was Okushibu. cool. Okushibu. Yeah. Deep Shibu or far back Shibu. Shibuya. Deep Shibu. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Shibu's not very deep in general. Like. But that's what makes Okushibu deep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, when you get out of Shibuya Central. So many people probably, if you've been to Japan and you've been to Tokyo, we all know the Shibuya Crossing. We all yeah, know the Shibuya
1: Crossing, Shibuya One Hundred Nine. Yeah, record stores. Yeah. You think young
0: young, young people, people fashion noisy all that great bow, stuff. Yeah, rats scurrying across the street.
1: No, <laughs> which joke. is true.
0: Yeah, um, but they're very polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shibusen, <laughs> <friend>. saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no,
1: yeah. We lived uh, about fifteen minutes away from downtown Shibuya. In fact. Uh, I used to take the Yamanote line to commute home, and my stop was Shibuya Station, and I would have to walk from Shibuya Station to my home, which took about 15 minutes, walk right through the crossing every day. I'll tell you, that's a way to kill the tourist vibe. Mm-hmm. Just live there. It's like living in Times Square. Yeah. But very different than living in Times Square. Um, you get literally 10 minutes out of Shibuya, it gets really quiet. Yeah. And it gets really, I wouldn't say rural,
0: but... Um, it gets very... Almost local. Local, yeah. That's a good way to put it's it. It's a cool vibe. Yeah. And people will... You know, you'll know you start recognizing. If you walk past the same shops enough, you start recognizing people, you can start... You can tell people live there, not just, you know, yeah. pass through. So we lived in an area called Tomigaya, which is
1: um, just south of uh, Yoyogi Park, which is also very famous. Yeah. Um, and in that area, uh, there's a street there. I'm gonna, I'll look it up in a moment what the name of the street is. I forget. Um... But uh, it, there's an there's area of that street called uh, Kamiyamacho. And was um, it Kamiyamacho or Kamiyacho? It's Kamiyamacho. Kamiyamacho. Because
0: I used to get really... yeah. yeah. I, I, now I'm getting it confused because yeah.
1: I haven't seen it now often. Um, and on that particular strip, there's actually two, two, two roads that are parallel to each other that all have really good restaurants. So my, uh, my recommend is uh, a restaurant called Jindoku. Um, so I'll actually put the address and everything in the in the notes there, but um, it's run by uh, a gentleman who is a family friend of a good uh, work colleague of mine, and um, originally they had this uh, uh, izakaya type style restaurant uh, in a different area, but it was in a building that was getting torn down and getting renewed, so they had to move the restaurant, and it just so happened that they moved the restaurant to the neighborhood that we lived in. Um, so it's a small restaurant. They have... Got about six seats at a bar, and maybe uh, three tables in yeah. the back. Two that seat six, and one that seats four. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very tiny, but it's a, it's a great place to eat. Uh, nobody speaks English, but that's not a problem. Um, in fact, a lot of places that you would go to like that. Um, I know I had this problem when I first came to Japan and started like touring with with Fred when we came down and saw you for the first time mm-hmm. as well. There's a lot of places where you look at is you're walking by and like, oh, I'd really like to go in there. What's that called? You know, they have that sort of half curtain. Um, Noren. Uh, Noren? Yeah. And all you can see is, like, the people's legs. Yeah. Right? So you're kind of, you don't want to peek in, but you're like, oh, that looks kind of cool or smells good or you're intrigued. Yeah. Um, you know, I would just say go for it. Like, try to get in there. Don't worry about Messing up your your Japanese or if you're learning Japanese or, or worry about not communicating because oftentimes those businesses are are staffed and run by the people who own them, so they're a very interested in getting your business, b usually very friendly to foreigners in general, and c will work with you to try to figure out what it is you want to eat and you know yeah. we'll make a recommendo themselves you know yeah Um so. uh I wasn't introduced to this place that way. I was introduced by my friend, but it's, it's a fantastic place. And, uh, yeah, I've been it, a few times with you. and It's, it's a great place. been a couple times, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a really good place. It's, it's really awesome. And uh, the one thing I would recommend there would be the stuffed lotus root. Uh, it's fantastic. So lotus root, um, many people in, in the U.S. probably aren't familiar with lotus root, but it's basically like a fibrous vegetable that's usually cut into small, um, wheel-shaped wheel yeah. shapes. Yeah, uh, but but the the it's kind of like think of like a cucumber with the seeds missing, mm. and that cre- the, that creates pockets of yeah. holes in the in the actual fiber of the the, the vegetable. And um, in this case, they cut a thick uh, section of it, maybe about an inch or a little less than an inch, and they cut and then they cut that in half and they fill it with like this pork uh, and meat, minced or, yeah. vegetables and things like oh, yeah. that. And then they also put. Um, like uh, some spicy mustard on it, and then they uh, basically put uh, like a karage around the right. edge, on, like a deep a fry. quick batter. Yeah, yeah. and
0: then they deep Not, fry nothing it. heavy. Yeah, and like, it's it's just uh, it's beautiful, it's so good. So the thing about these restaurants that Chris was mentioning is you may have heard even in finding Japan, and may, if you study if you've been to Japan or studied up on Japan, you may have heard of Izakaya. So izakaya is like it, it translates to like a a place to sit down and have food and drink. It's a basically a Japanese style pub. Which the problem with that description is the vibe. That description often gets the vibe across pretty well, but it doesn't get across the fact that izakayas by far have a better food menu than like your average Western-style English pub or something like that. Yeah, now I mean, their pub is great food, I know. But so let, yeah, well, let's break
1: down what are the what are the top five attributes of an izakaya that differentiate it from a standard restaurant. I would say one is usually there's, like, one person, one or two people who are responsible for creating food and interacting with the customers. Well, that like depends. Ma- like a master, right? But
0: the, but the problem is that there are, the, there are the big chain izakayas. Okay, I'm kind of setting them aside. Okay, I'm like, yeah. if you go
1: into an izakaya, like, this, your, you your, your mental argue, image
0: of an izakaya? You would even argue that Jinraku goes a little bit slightly away from what modern Japanese think is an izakaya? Mm. It struts the line, but it almost goes more into. Because they would feel not disrespectful, call it an izakaya, but they would go, this is a little better than the izakaya, what we would normally think of as an izakaya. So it's almost like mm. going, like, there's English style pubs, and then some dude went and opened up a, a pub that only got two Michelin stars. Not because it's snooty, but because it's a gastropub In other words, uh, they, they are a pub, you're drinking there, but they've also focused on the food. They're not putting out the regular fish and chips, they're putting, they have their own menu, they have their own culture you know so there is a point where um what would you say like it's it's not an ippin but it's it's not kappo but it is a doria song it's it's a little slightly so there are maybe the best way to split it is that you can go let's just call them both types izakaya but one is of the bigger more garrulous pub style well there's there's better food than the average pub but there's mainstays right. uh the grilled squid and the and the sashimi slices And the karaage Which is fried chicken And the edamame And all that What you kind of Might think about As a Japanese pub mm-hmm. And you get the cheap beer And they can, the place can see Some of them can see Hundreds of people right. uh, But then you have On the other side A place like or A place I used to go to In Kobe Which was called uh, I think Isono Or something like that It was great Isobe it was great. It was also the same idea. Counter, maybe yeah. barely a few tables. The PlayStation was a little less fancy, but the menu was just about as good.
1: But even with those two modes, I guess you could say that there are there are some commonalities. So the menus can be quite common, right? Mm-hmm. And the drink side, you've got like typical Asahi, mm-hmm. type of draft beers, highballs, and um, then your sake whiskey sours, sake, is, yeah. and uh, shochu. Typically, so it's kind of like common. Mm-hmm. Alcohol, menu. yeah, and then on the food side, you've got some common mainstays as well. You've named a couple of them already. You know, karage, edamame, yeah. um, stuff like that. Your you skewered also get chickens, like or skewered chicken, or uh, like cucumber or kimchi. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I think when I think of. It.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's just that I think jinroku takes it to a little bit of a. I think they have like like the idea of that renkon, um, that lotus root with minced meat. Would it's not impossible to think of it something kind of similar it appearing at a more mainstream izakaya, but that is definitely more of a like a thought up dish. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of care and, and a speciality that goes into that. Um, the other thing is that, and this is common to both izakayas that, that people have to understand if you if you've been to what's become now popular in the cities, even in America, the one plate you know restaurants that do small plates, not one plate, small plates. Yeah, that's the other thing with izakaya food. Now, small plate doesn't mean just for one person. You can easily get something that you share. Or small portions of. But it's sharing. You would both share it, and you would still definitely be hungry, like well, over one plate. Un, un, unlike some American one plate or small plates or shared plates, where it's huge and you're sharing it, sure. But if you don't have four people to share it, it might not be out. Finishing yeah, it. no yeah. one's finishing it. So in Japan, the the which means like one one at a time, one at a time, one item, one item cooking, um, one item dish. Uh, similar is the tapas. Spanish tapas are, are really close. Um, so, that's a good
1: analogy, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. Tap, tapas, Spanish tapas in the U.S. is very similar in terms of portion size mm-hmm. and presentation. Not, well, in terms of how it's
0: served yeah. physically. Yeah. Portion size is getting family. there. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely getting onto that. But traditionally, that's not a, especially like if you just take what would be classic or traditional American food culture, which kind of comes from more of an Anglo- an Anglo-Saxon background, which is not about, you know, even when small plates or appetizers come into play, they're still huge. You know, I've made the mistake of ordering, I thought I can order three appetizers and we'd have fun eating a couple of olives and a few fried squid here and, and be good. No, that was the whole meal. And then they come around, what do you want for me? And I was like, I don't think I can eat anything, you know, so, but, yeah, so but anyway.
1: That would be my, my recommendo. And I, and yeah. what's interesting is, um, so there was a period of time and, I have to do another podcast on this because somebody had sent me an email um, to the Finding Japan account a while ago saying, you well, I want to know like, what happened and why you were back there. You never really talk about why you were back there. And there's a, there's a very specific reason for that, which I don't want to get into now. But um, there was another time where I wasn't living there but going back very often, once a month. Well, no, technically I was living there. I was kind of living in two worlds. But I had this great night where my flight got in I got to where I was staying. I took a bus down to Tomigaya. I got my haircut at a place three doors down from this place, which I'll also put on a recommendo if you want a good haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Cut Bon Salon. It's amazing. Um, Actually, it's my son, Isaac, his favorite haircut place. Nice. Um, He used to love that place. He'd go there, read manga, get the hot towel on his head, just chill out. It's awesome. So I'll put that in there as well. But, yeah, that Tomigaya area... Um, I gotta
0: look up the name of that street. Okay. Yeah, the streets but it's the, related to that. Um But Kamiyama-cho is definitely the main that's the whole neighborhood. Yeah. And basically if you're on that main street, that's Kamiamacho. It won't be too confused. Because street names don't mean too much in Japan. Okay. But um yeah, that whole neighborhood's really cool and uh, you know, Izakayas or even small little restaurants in Japan, definitely recommend you just step in, you know, there's no um When you step into those places, like Chris mentioned, the little curtain, the half-hung curtain, that's called the noren. And the thing about that is that it's a signifier that the restaurant is open, believe it or not. You would think it's counterintuitive, but they take that down. When the restaurant closes, they take down the noren. They put the noren up. And you would think putting a curtain up would actually block people. But what it actually says is, one, we're open for business. Two, this is the name of our place Three, when you enter, you're enters, you've entered a special place Where we're going to feed you and give you drinks yeah. And treat you well as a customer And that's the promise that we've made to you By making you walk and There's a Japanese term where you talk about Which means to kind of enter through the noren To duck your head in are they're, they're often purposely a little low you purposely duck your head in. And, and, and traditional restaurants have a sliding door. Not all of them because of the structure of the building. But a lot of them have a sliding door. So you slide that door and you move the Noren out of the way. Whichever order. But you then you duck your head in and you duck into. You kuguru into this restaurant from the Noren. And that's the sign that for now, basically, you know, the hour or two that you're there, you've entered a special world. So that can be intimidating if you don't speak Japanese or you think that they might not be welcoming to you. But actually, the cool thing about Japan is like, when you enter somewhere most of the time if they're just not universal assholes like assholes you find anywhere they'll help you figure they'll it out. help you out and right. the thing is they they have become responsible for you right yeah that that they want you to have a good time and they and they extra want it because what makes people happier than I went to Japan and went to this cool place. There was this dude at this restaurant I met, Mr. Sato, and he was great to me, and, you know, that's what they want. They don't want you to go home and be like, people in Japan are assholes. <laughs> so, and even, like, you know, yeah.
1: some Japanese tours are like, oh, yeah, we've got even so good even foreigners come here. Like, yeah. You know, because a lot of times restaurants like that will only attract a certain type of people. Yeah. If somebody else, you know, a new group comes in. Yeah. It's like, oh, somebody else is here. Yeah, So, yeah, but definitely check it out. It's That would be my first of many recommends because uh, this is a cool segment. I like it a lot.
0: Got to be more of it. All right, so what's... Oh, am I still going to go? <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought I
1: was I this was going to be a... I was a thinking that was eye. so
0: good. That was so good. I'm going to leave it at that. But actually, I have one. I don't know if it's so much of a recommend, though, because I don't know how much people will be able to uh, to act on it. But I wanted to point out an interesting cultural difference because it's Christmas time. So if you do find yourself stuck in Japan, stop. but for some reason you're in Japan for Christmas. Some people do it. They go on vacation at times where you think they would be with family, but okay, you know, people have different situations. And it can be cool to travel and to stay in a country for something that you normally stay home for. Um, And because because Christmas is acknowledged, but not an official holiday at all in Japan, Things don't slow down, so right. you'll be cool. It's not you're not going to end up in, in Japan at Christmas time and have nothing to do, and you know everyone's with their family. You have to be careful a few days later when New Year's comes around because New Year's is a Japanese thing. So if you don't have the worst, that's going to happen on Christmas is your your friend Yamada kun's going to be out with his girlfriend on yeah, Christmas, yeah, and needs. they stay the night at the hotel to celebrate the birth of Christ, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not joking. An, it's, an atheist country. Yes. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a it's December. It's December Valentine's is what I tell people. Um, so anyway, but there's another tradition that could be fun, and you can even just do this for kicks and you know, for shits and giggles, is go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and order chicken at Kentucky Fried Chicken and just have some chicken and be like Christmas, Merry Christmas, because. When Kentucky Fried Chicken... Kentucky Fried Chicken is the first American or Western style fast food chain to make it big in Japan. It came in Japan, I think, 1972
1: in the 70s. Lloyd Weston brought it in. Actually, it's a famous uh, business case that I refer to often about leadership. It's a whole other topic, but but I'll I'll give you the... Nice. I'll give you the 20-second view. Lloyd Weston was this really gregarious uh, kind of business leader, perfect guy to get Kentucky Fried Chicken through the door in Japan go to all the store openings with the, you know, the priests and everything, go to all the parties and stuff like that, did amazingly. And as soon as Kentucky Fried Chicken got big enough to have big supply chain problems, uh, he wasn't the right guy to lead that phase of the business. And I use this as an example to actually a lot of my Japanese colleagues when it comes to, like, how do you know we are the right leader for the right time of a particular business? Because you could be the perfect guy to, like, Lead the charge to be yeah. the, the cutting edge of the blade to get into yeah. a market or something, yeah. but then can completely fail when the business needs to mature or tighten yeah. up supply chains because you just don't have that operational
0: mindset. Some people are great and salespeople; are not great service providers. You know, if, yeah, to, to, and that's you know, that's
1: the um, that's sort of the the lesson. Uh, no. That's one lesson that can yeah. be taken out of that yeah. that uh, business case. Yeah. It's, it's Although actually really amazing. Kentucky
0: Fried Chicken still does very well in Japan. so It sounds like they eventually got over it, but. But it must have been rough. Yeah, I can imagine how that, that atmospheric start did not necessarily translate for a few years. Well,
1: it, the, the business, case, came the and, business you know. case is not a, a case about the, the profitability or the success of Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was about the Asia regional head mm-hmm. and what he does about this guy. Should he keep him in Japan? Should he leave them to another area? Okay. And sort of the dynamic of like why he hired him, why he mm-hmm. put them there, what he's going to do moving forward. So the business case is not around like should, have, should they have stayed, should mm-hmm. they have left. Nothing like that. It's like, what do you do with this very senior leader? So it's cool. So if, you ever get, if you're in business school and you're interested in... Um, International business cases, I highly recommend you go research mm-hmm. how Kentucky Fried Chicken made it in Japan and what that meant for Mr. Roy Weston. And also, a, cool a lot
0: of people forget when you're in America, you think McDonald's rules. You know, we have a lot of fast food restaurants, but I think if, if you ask an American a quick quiz, you know, the most powerful fast food restaurant in the world, like immediately, like fast food. Best McDonald's. Whether you like McDonald's that much, you know, you might be a diehard Burger King fan or, or local, you know, you might be more in and, in and out burgers or Dick's or whatever it is. That's fine, but we all acknowledge, you know, that McDonald's is the Coca-Cola, the Nike of, of yeah, fast yeah, food yeah, restaurants. Yeah. But the thing about it is when you go overseas, oftentimes McDonald's doesn't fly. In Kentucky Fried Chicken, chickens don't fly right. well, but for Kentucky Fried Chicken flies really somebody, well. Like, somebody it really
1: needs works. to do a business case study on how Kentucky Fried Chicken managed to define...
0: Christmas dinner in Japan. But I'm I'm not (laughs) going to do a business report on it, but I I have the explanation or some of it. Here's the thing. So they were coming into Japan in the early 70s and trying to sell Japanese people on this fast food lifestyle and all that. Well, Christmas season came around. And the thing about it is Japan doesn't traditionally celebrate Christmas. And I don't know exactly what the details of the story are. But if you use your imagination, and I know this is going to blow your minds, but the colonel... Dressed up correctly, kind of looks like Santa Claus, exactly, <laughs> and so apparently, I don't know if they were trick Japanese people to think he's Santa Claus, but they were just like you know it's Christmas time so put a hat on him and and and, and sell up the Christmas vibe and so then Japanese went and 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 they probably like, did, and they probably did a chicken campaign. he's chicken yeah. mascot. Santa yeah. Claus is yeah. the chicken mascot. And they probably did a campaign and all that. I don't think it was just putting a hat on Sure. Right. But they did a campaign. They made the connection. And then Japanese started ordering chicken. And not in the sense that like, you just go to Kentucky Fried Chicken to eat chicken. There. No, 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 no. You got pre-order. Weeks ahead, you pre-order a bucket. And by Japanese standard, a giant bucket. By American standard, it's probably just like one bucket of chicken. But they think like, oh, <laughs> our family of four is going to splurge on this, you know, one back bucket of chicken. Well, and it's going to be twice as much as a regular bucket yeah, of chicken that sure. anyway. But and so you pre-order and you get this bucket of chicken and it's associated with Christmas because of the push by Kentucky Fried Chicken to make the association. And the fact that the colonel happened to be a, you know, a, a rotund white man with gray hair, it really <laughs> works. I mean, yeah, it's not a far fetch, right? Like that's the mall Santa. A guy who looks at Colonel Sanders uh, is a mall Santa, Santa in America. So it's fine. But, um Yes, yes, I'm aware of the multicultural ethnic mall Santa's vote, but, but you know. <laughs> I am, uh, Right now I am YouTubing uh, KFC Japan Christmas. So the thing about it is then, the other thing with Colonel Sanders, and this is not directly tied exactly, but the other thing is that back in 1983 or 84, the Hanshin Tigers of Osaka, the most... It's the Red Sox slash Chicago Cubs of Japan. They're the most beloved team in that like loserly, you know, beloved sense. Yes, Tokyo Giants are the New York Yankees of Japan. Sure, but the the Hanshin Tigers are just like yeah. So they won the pennant, which is a big deal. The pennant only means their league. They didn't win the whole thing. They did go on to win the whole thing that year But they won the pennant Which was somehow bigger Probably because the Tokyo Giants Were in the same league as them And so when they beat the Tokyo Giants And beat everybody They were everybody in that league Only six teams But hey so. say, They won the pennant And it had been like 20, 30 years Or maybe longer Maybe it was the first time Or something It was something crazy They had not won the pennant uh, Maybe since before World War II Or maybe ever So They had a foreign player A white guy from America Named Randy Bass Who was their home run hitter He was their power hitter and they even had a prayer that said Kami sama Hotoke sama sama," which means like God Buddha Lord Bass you know? <laughs> and when they would pray for him to hit a home run you know and so he hit a home run and they won the pennant and the revelers in Namba in the downtown part of Osaka south part of Osaka Shinsaibashi this famous bridge if you go to Osaka and you see... Is that the place the where the like running? Is yeah, yeah, or he's doing, or, or he's doing, doing this. Doing this there, yeah. doing yeah. the Gurikoman. Yeah, for people who can't see us, which is everybody. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's putting your hands it's up in the air. like kind of yeah. a Y yeah. symbol. Yeah, I thought the telepathy would, you know, like... <laughs> um, so, the south part of Osaka, uh, the, yeah, there's a bridge called the, It's a Shinsaibashi, and there's a bridge, and if you watch... Uh, if you watch a movie like Blade Runner, or if you've even seen Black Rain, the Michael Douglas thing where he's in Japan as a detective, and... The whole, like, neon, even Blade Runner's, like, neon signs, and, it, you know, it's futuristic LA. But that signage, people would think, oh, it's uh, it's taken from, yeah, it looks, it has an Asian vibe. But, oh, it's taken from Tokyo. No, it's actually taken from Osaka, which actually had more uh, more of a famous neon scene or scenery than yeah, yeah, yeah. scenescape than, than Tokyo has had. Oh, you know, Os, uh, Shin, uh, Shibuya Shin, now. Well, Shinjuku. Shinjuku had been the equipment at the time. Now, Shibuya is kind of... Really, of so? I
1: still think Shinjuku like um, behind the right before Golden yeah. Guy like that that whole area yeah. but behind But ask um, people where they go Shin-
0: and they go to the crossing now. And, but that's only the la- that's True. only the last 10, 15 years because Shibuya actually was a little bit more of a backwater relatively speaking. No, I know that But but when I yeah. think of Neon yeah. When I think of like the the horizontally scrolling neon That's true. scene because it's Shibuya. not it's not horizontal. Right. Whereas Shinjuku where is, is that yeah. huge street you can look at yeah. it's like endless. But if you go to that street in Shinsaybashi, the concentration of that Asahi giant logo and the Gurikoman and the concentration and the shape apparently they took and then the river also yeah, works yeah, yeah. too. So anyway, uh that's where the revelers go and there's a river there's a horrible dirty river i think it's been much more cleaned up now but the people would jump in the river to celebrate winning the pennant well they saw a kentucky fried chicken nearby and hey there's a white guy statue of a white guy like a plastic you know plastic you know like the ronald mcdonald plastic what is the colonel sanders plastic statue in front of the kfc Hey, Randy Bass is a white guy. That's a white guy. It must be Randy Bass today. And so they put the, I guess, hat on him and stuff on him <laughs> and took him and celebrated. Yay, put Randy Bass. His shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Randy Bass, Randy Bass, thank you. We won, we won. And threw, the- threw it in the river. <laughs> Colonel Sanders yeah. into the river. Uh, <laughs> to never be found, apparently, or maybe years later um, found, but not be, yeah. One one time, it was such a strange
1: sight, I was, uh, I don't remember exactly where I was. I was in Tokyo somewhere, and I saw a delivery truck with about eight Colonel Sanders statues in the back of it. <laughs>
0: That is surreal it's amazing. Well, yeah, right? that's surreal Yeah, so Kentucky Fried Chicken is very special in Japan McDonald's is very special too But people are often surprised that Kentucky Fried Chicken Might in some ways be more dear In some ways mm. Yeah, I mean McDonald's is more powerful commercially But when you look at that Christmas connection And that Hunching Tigers connection Ask anyone from Osaka Where their heart lies They're going to say KFC They don't even go to KFC They might not But yeah they get, they get excited about KFC.
1: All right. So if you're in Japan this week, yeah, that's this, right. it's not going to go out this that's week. That's true. But, and, and, well, yeah. and you haven't ordered your chicken, you're probably not going to get it, number one. So just go for lunch on a regular Yeah, day. you can go.
0: <laughs> you can get into you KFC. You'll be fine. Yeah, you, just, you
1: just won't get your pre-order bucket for, for uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Eh?
0: There you go. I not a lot, lot of people of know that,
1: that but... Mm, KFC... And that's going to wrap it up for episode 84. Just want to thank Terrence for coming to visit us in Connecticut. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you in the next one.